you have stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we identify and explore ways to achieve those two goals. So this week, my special guest is a person who has a lot of experience both hosting and staying in Airbnb properties. And it's me. (laughs) I've been on Airbnb since about 2014, which is not like a huge amount of time, but compared to a lot of people, it's a pretty long time. So that's six years. And I've stayed at a bunch of different Airbnbs all across the world. So from that perspective, I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of an Airbnb listing. So when I decided to rent my own places on Airbnb, uh, wow, four, four years ago, I guess, I really thought back to those occasions when I stayed, like what made me think that a host was particularly cool or special or wonderful and applied those to my own situation. So I actually asked my boyfriend to interview me because I thought it would be more interesting, but I don't know. He didn't want to do it. I guess he was a little camera shy or (laughs) microphone shy. So I'll try to make it interesting. And if you have questions, absolutely shoot them in because I would love, I love helping new hosts get started. And the reason that this came up is because I don't know if you remember from last week, one of my goals was to finish that half of the house to the point where I could get pictures and put it up on Airbnb. And I actually did that today at about I want to say it was about 1130 when I finally got the listing live. And by three o'clock, I had five inquiries. And by five o'clock, I had already booked 63 days in the Airbnb. So it's easy. Okay, it's easy to make money on Airbnb. It's easy to get a new property up there. And um, just you can do property, you can do experiences, you can do your couch. I mean, that's how Airbnb got started is that the, these kids, these guys, and I think in San Fran, they wanted to, you know, rent their couch to people who were coming into town because they want to meet different people and make a little extra money. And it turned into this huge thing. And it's a huge, cool thing. And the Airbnb community is actually really special. You know, when this COVID thing came up, a lot of folks canceled their reservations because they couldn't travel or they didn't want to travel. They were afraid to travel, whatever. And so a lot of hosts took a hit. You know, they were very financially devastated, you know, if that's where a lot of their, you know, cash flow was coming from. So Airbnb, the employees came up with this idea to create a fund. So they created this $10 million fund. And if you had like two or less properties on Airbnb, you could apply for like a grant, like free money from Airbnb to just kind of get you over the hump. Uh, They reimbursed 25% of all canceled reservations. You didn't have to do anything. They just did that automatically. And they've just been, you know, they, they created this whole network in case you wanted to open your home to first responders and people who needed housing. They really impressed me a lot with their, you know, this is, you know, you squeeze an orange and orange, you get orange juice. Like people say, oh, you know, I was under pressure, so I didn't do, I, I wasn't myself. But but that's really, that is you, right? When you, the way you are under pressure, that is who you are. And 
that's how I felt about this Airbnb thing. It's like they're they're under pressure. They're making less money. Their hosts are making less money. What did they decide to do? They decided to give people a way to open their homes, to give them money back. I mean, they really just, and they made these nice little videos, you know, to tell us how they were cared about us as the hosts and all that kind of stuff. And it was great. And I can also tell you, though, that during this whole situation, I was not negatively impacted financially. As a matter of fact, I've had more. I mean, when this happened, I have two Airbnbs in New Hampshire. Actually, I just sold one of them. But I've, I had at the time two Airbnbs in New Hampshire. And the, it's what they call mud season up there. It's like black flies are out. They're biting people. You know, it's terrible for bugs. It's muddy because the snow's all melted and it's just a disaster and usually that whole time I'm usually empty from like mid-April when the ski season ends until the end of May usually my first booking after the spring you know in the spring is Memorial Day weekend and this year I've been booked basically since the time of the of the original you know request for people to stay home which I think was was March People were like, well, if we're going to have to stay home, why don't we stay someplace beautiful? And, you know, these one uh, family of three, they came for a week and they were like, oh, we want to stay till the end of the month. Oh, we want to stay for another month. So, and the other house, so one house was rented for two months solid without a break. The other house was rented for two and a half months solid. So, you know, people think, oh, if I had Airbnb, I'd be, you know, hurting right now. Well, not necessarily, but I can tell you, and that's what I'm getting ready to do is to tell you why I think I'm successful on Airbnb, why I think people want to stay in my properties. So one of the things that people tell you, oh, you have to get super host status. Super host status definitely helps. They give you little badges and they you can search as a person who wants to stay in an Airbnb. You can search for just super hosts. But at the end of the day, when you're just getting started and you want to succeed on Airbnb, you need to start out until you get some until you get some reviews, until you get your super host status and stuff. You need to start out with, you know, a little bit lower price than everybody else. And you know what will happen? You'll be booked more often. So you're not going to lose out. It's not at the end of the day, it's going to be good for you. And so let me give you some other tips because that was what I originally thought. Well, you know, how many days can I afford to lose because I have a higher price? You want to price your property. Like when I first, like today, I, I started off with, you know, a pretty low price. And Airbnb also gives you the opportunity if you want to price your first three, to give your first three people who stay to give them a discount. So they give you give your first three people like a 25% discount. And that way you get some reviews. The price is automatically going to adjust for the next people. And you get a feel for the market a little bit. You can get a feel for what's going on. Like I originally priced the beach house, which is what I have rented out today. I originally priced it at $75 a night. You can say the minimum. So actually, I'm getting all over the place here. Airbnb has something called smart pricing. And the way that works is they pay attention and track how many people are looking for something in your area 
at the same time. So if there's a weekend, like a holiday weekend, where lots of people are looking to stay in a certain area, they're automatically going to adjust the prices upward of everybody who has smart pricing. But you still can put a minimum and you can put a maximum. And I encourage you to do both. The minimum, like I like I said, I was making the minimum $75. And that I got like inundated with responses. So I immediately upped it to $95 because 75 is clearly way too low. But, you know, it's too late now because I'm already booked for 63 nights. <laughs> but that's okay because by the time the next group comes along that has to pay $95, there are going to be some great reviews about the property and it, they'll be happy to pay it. But the smart pricing, even though I said 75 was the minimum, it's still priced it actually a little bit higher. It ended up pricing it like $83 or something like that. And then you also do want to set a maximum because there's a certain level after which people are going to feel disappointed. Like I set my max here at $150. Beyond $150, I feel, I mean, this is a two-room place. You know, it's a kitchen-living room combo and it's a bedroom. They're good sized rooms, but you know, over 150 bucks, I'd be saying, "Cripe sakes, I paid 150 bucks for this," you know. So I don't want people to feel that way, and that's important too. You know, you might be tempted to say, "Oh, I'll just let them." You know, they can pay 500 dollars a night for all I care. Man, don't let that happen. Just be smart. You know, think about your long term goal of making a nice, reliable, in passive income stream from this property, and not thinking about cha-ching, cha-ching each individual day, you know? So anyway, here are some tips from a successful Airbnb hostess. And this, some of these apply to like life. The first one is under promise and over deliver. I like to give everybody the absolute worst, you know, the worst stuff first. So I say, you know, the, the way I described it to people today was, you know, it's a small place. It is a small place. I mean, it's two big rooms, but it's only two rooms. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a big place. So when they come, it doesn't feel small because each of the rooms is big. So in that way, I'm, un- I'm under promising what I'm going to give them. And when they come, they'll feel happy because I've over delivered. And that's will get you through every customer service thing. Communication is huge. A lot of my reviews, people talk about the fact that I responded to them right away, that there was lots of good information in the house. You know, you're communicating with them both through the Airbnb app when they ask you questions, but you're also like indirectly communicating with them when they're in the home. So for example, all the cabinets have little labels on them to tell you what's inside. You you don't need to open every single cabinet to find the dishes, right? So I've got dishes are here, you know, here are the dishes, here are the mugs, here are the whatever, you know, just to make things easy. If you have a whole bunch of light switches, you know, just label them all and tell people what they do. They shouldn't have to play around with every single switch to figure out what, you know, how to turn on a specific thing or whatever. And also, I think it's extremely important to stay in the house yourself, right? Don't just set up an Airbnb and walk away. You need to be in the space 
because then you're going to say, gee, you know, these pillows are really uncomfortable. Or I wish I had another bedside table here with a lamp on it. Or, um, I don't know, where are, where are their pens? You know, I need some, a pens and a pad of paper or there's just little things that when you stay in the home yourself, you, you realize that there's a, a, some very inexpensive, easy things that you could do to make the space more comfortable. And if it's more comfortable for you, it's going to be more comfortable for your guest. Another thing that I think is extremely important. Well, actually, let's back up a minute because one thing now, because Airbnb has become so popular and some of the people who are renting out their places and they're almost sort of like a slumlord in a way. I mean, not that the house is slummy, but that they're not, that they're very hands off and they're not visiting the place. They're not coming ever in between guests. They're letting the cleaners do everything. And so they don't, they've lost control of their guests and that's given Airbnb a bad name. So I actually had a situation at my New Hampshire house. The guy said he was renting it with just like two friends and it turned out he had this huge underage drinking party with 23 people or whatever. The state cops had to come, all this drama. So the, so what has happened is that a lot of communities and a lot of even like, so there's states have enacted specific laws and then certain towns have enacted even more strict laws. And then below that, for example, condo associations, homeowners associations, they, a lot of them have rules about short-term renters. So the first thing you need to do is find out. And Airbnb actually has a pretty good area where they tell you what you need to do. But, you know, find out yourself before you even decide that you want to purchase an Airbnb in that place. For example, up where my houses are in North, in, in the, the White Mountains of New Hampshire, the town of North Conway does not have a rule, but there's one specific community within that town, you know, so you need to know, oh, I'm within the, this, this, you know, whatever, six or eight block radius where they have a specific moratorium against short-term renters. And it's because obviously they've had bad experiences, but so I'm in Massachusetts. Massachusetts just requires you requires you to live in the home. So I'm living on one side and renting the other side. And you have to, if you're going to rent your house for more than 14 days in a year, you have to register so that they can tax you. And then if you're in in Boston, you know, there's more, more strict laws within Boston. It's basically almost not impossible, but it's darn difficult to do it legally in Massachusetts, in, in Boston. And there again, you know, different communities, different neighborhoods, like a lot of condo associations do not allow you to rent for less than six months. So before you run out and buy this gorgeous condo that you think you're going to put on Airbnb, you need to do some research because you're going to get stuck with it and you aren't going to be happy if you, uh, if you find out there's some stuff you didn't know. So that's step one, check out the local laws. Step two, set expectations. Take excellent pictures, but make sure they're realistic. For example, one of the pictures that I took of the bedroom shows you, and there's a caption, that there's a parking lot next to your bedroom window. You need to know that, okay? I mean, it's very quiet next door, but, you know, someone could come home at midnight and slam their door. You know, you need to know that that's a situation, that you're not 
in the middle of nowhere here. You're in the middle of a busy beachside community. So take pictures that show people a realistic idea of what to expect when they get to the house. And Airbnb allows you to do things like to show people the check-in process. So my house is actually snuggled behind two other houses. So I'm going to put a picture of, you know, this is what it looks like from the street. You have to drive down the driveway between these other two houses and then you're going to walk up these stairs and then you're going to here's the keypad and you know it allows you to give them really really specific directions that I have found as a guest to be extremely helpful especially when I'm doing a self check-in at you know midnight or whatever the heck time your flight got in you know by the time you got your car and everything else so the more realistic and helpful like I take pictures of the fact that there are a bunch of DVDs and games and here's the Keurig you know and here are the towels you know you don't have to bring your own sheets and you know all that kind of stuff you know instead of like telling people you can also you can tell them in the text and you can also show them so that they see graphically oh look there's all kinds of puzzles that I can do while I'm at this house you know that kind of thing and setting expectations is also helps you to attract the right type of guest. So if you have a single family home that's freestanding all by itself in, in an area and you don't care if people have parties at all hours or whatever, then you don't need to say something about that. But like I'm living right next door. And so I want to say the, the owner of the house or like I live right next door. Quiet time starts at 10 p.m. If you don't want to be quiet, you're not going to rent the house. And that's perfect, right? That's perfect. That's what you want. You want to attract the kind of people that you want to be with and spend time with. And that's one of the keys to happiness. <laughs> and I tell people in the other house that the state police, you know, the, the, the local sheriff lives right across the street. Hey, that's important to know because if you're 18 and you're thinking you're going to have an underage drinking party, you're going to think twice about renting a house that's right across the street from the sheriff. Something bad can always happen, but the more you prepare yourself and your guests, the better chance you're going to have of good things happening. So I definitely recommend that you make a guest book. Airbnb allows you to make a guest book, but most likely people are going to look at that guest book before they come. But once they come, they might not want to keep going back online to check it out. Have an actual guest book. Like I'm thinking that every single touristy place is going to have a brochure. So just take a day, drive around, get a bunch of brochures, stick them in a notebook. You know, your guests are going to be delighted. It's going to make their stay so much more fun and they won't miss out on something exciting that you know there's nothing worse than sitting next to somebody on a plane who says oh you know oh, did you have what was did you go do xyz while you were in town and you're like what's that you know and you're like crap i wish i would have known so make your make a really nice guest book for folks one tip is to be flexible and by that i mean for example when the host has to meet you it can be so flipping stressful. I remember we were in Venice and we missed the ferry. And so the host is waiting for us and we're like racing around the city of Venice with our luggage trying to find the flipping place. And it was just a really unnecessary hassle. Just get a keypad. 
right? Numeric keypad, beep, 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 here's your code. The what I do is I always set it to the last four digits of the guest's cell phone number. So when they register, you get their phone number and you just set the code to the last four digits and then they'll never forget it. They know that it's unique to them. So they're not thinking, well, I can just come back next week and sneak in. No, because they know as soon as they leave, the number leaves with them, you know, and, and they, it's just a nice, easy, and then they can check in whatever, two in the morning, check in, no problem. Just let them know how to do it, make it easy. And then the same thing with, flex, with, with checkout. I have a specific checkout time, but I only enforce it if somebody's checking in the same day or, you know, or the cleaners have to come or, you know, if, if there's no reason for it, just let people check out whatever, you know, and there's a lot of things you can do to make this, the whole thing more special. It's just that, that those are the kind of things you're going to think of when you do, when you take my other advice to stay in the house yourself, because then you think you realize what's important, but I'll just tell you a couple things. Like one of the places I stayed, the hostess made homemade bread. So when you got in there, there was like a loaf of homemade bread, like what? And then I've stayed in places where, uh, yeah, there was actually, there was the same place. There was bread, there was fresh eggs and a couple of other things in the fridge. Oh, like milk for your coffee, things like that. Just so that you don't have to race out right away and get stuff, you know? I mean, that was in Vermont and there weren't a lot of shops and stuff nearby. So it was something you wouldn't necessarily need to do in the city. But if people are coming late, you know, leave just leave some cookies on the counter or something. You know, you get in late, you want just a little snack. Make sure that there's, you know, an extra extra toothbrush and, you know, plenty of that sort of thing just just in case, you know. And like I think I told you before, price, especially in the beginning, price the home slightly below the market until you get some great reviews, you get your super host status and people then are going to, you're going to come up then sooner in the search but being rented more I think is better than having a, a crazy expensive home um, some of the advantages of being a super host once you're able to get so first of all how do you get super host status you have to get more than 80% positive reviews so yeah, that doesn't happen by mistake. <laughs> if you want to get good reviews, you have to be super. <laughs> you have to communicate well. You have to keep your house clean. You have to help make the check-in process easy. You know, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and you also can't have a lot of cancellations. I think you can only have like one cancellation in a six-month period or you're going to lose your super host status. So it's easy to keep your calendar up to date and Airbnb even syncs up with some other calendars. So you can have like VRBO and Airbnb and, you know, maybe another type of hosting service and just keep all the calendars in sync with yours. Very easy. And then you won't have to cancel for people. And you have to maintain a response rate. You have to respond to people's requests to book within 24 hours and... Yeah, I think that's it. I should look it up. I'm sorry. I'll make a link. I'll make a link so that you can see what the requirements are to get a super host status. But, you know, you can't get it for the first six months or three months anyway. So don't worry about it. Okay, so it's very important to know your market. 
And by that, I mean like here is the beach house. People are going to be going to the beach. So we got beach towels, we got sunglasses, we got beach umbrellas and beach chairs. And, you know, that's the main reason that people are going to go there. And also it's a mile from the T that takes you right into Boston within like 15 minutes. So there's also going to be, you know, Boston things, some, some passes to go someplace, some, um, the schedule for the aquarium, you know, that kind of thing. The tea schedule is going to be there. You want to know, like, why are people coming here? The place in the White Mountains, we have um, a canoe, you know, for example, because there's lakes and stuff nearby. So there's a canoe. There's like, why are people coming here? And let's make it fun and easy for them to do the thing that we think they're going to do. One thing that happens a lot up here is kite surfing. But I don't know how to make that um, easy for people. I mean, I, don't, I guess I'm saying I don't know how to make the home appealing to kite surfers. But I just put a picture of people kite surfing so that they know that this is a good place to do that. Maybe that'll help. Um, be honest. I've touched on this already, but be really honest about the flaws. If there's any flaw, like, for example, one of the places I have in New Hampshire it's a 200-year-old schoolhouse. It's a cool place. It's got the original chalkboard and, you know, it's just a really cool place, but 200 years old, you know, you can guarantee it's got quirks, right? So I I tell people, you know, you might see a mouse, you know, there are ladybugs, there are mosquitoes, there is, you know, whatever. There's There's quirks in the house and here's what they are. And the same thing I'm going to do for the beach house. Like I said, that there's a, there's a parking lot outside your window. You need to know this. So be really transparent about the flaws. Don't let people come and then discover them. So one of the places I stayed in Paris, I was traveling with two of my friends, one of whom had just had uh, just hurt her knee, and the other one I think had just had knee surgery. We get to the place, and it's on the seventh floor walk up. I swear that was not on Airbnb because I knew my friend had just had knee surgery and I was looking specifically for that kind of thing. So the host comes, he meets us, he's all happy. And I mean, he was such a great, happy, bubbly, wonderful guy that we didn't, you know, slam him on the reviews. But I did put in there, you know, in case anybody read my review, that you need to know that there are a lot of flipping stairs. He came, he carried our luggage up the stairs and everything. But, you know, cripe's sakes, we would leave once for the day and we wouldn't come back till nighttime. You're not going to just swing by for lunch, you know, and walk up seven flights of stairs. And they weren't, these are not small. You know, these, <laughs> in Paris, this particular place had extremely high ceilings. So each level, each um, flight of stairs was a lot of stairs. I forget. We counted them at the time, but it was a lot of stairs. That's not the kind. Take a picture of the stairs. Look, there are a lot of stairs in this house. You're going to have to climb up stairs after stairs, you know, like stand on the top level and take a picture down through the stairwell so people know what to expect. But I think he thought no one would stay there. Well, I can tell you for a fact, I would not have stayed there. It was a beautiful place. It was really cute, but there's no way we would have stayed. So I don't know. I still think it's better to be honest because if you get a couple bad reviews, you know, that's it. You're all done. You're not going to get so super host for three more months and you're only kicking yourself in the foot. So 
Um, make things easy. I think I sort of touched on that a lot. Make sure that um, it's easy to check in. It's easy to check out. You know, don't be, don't make things a pain in the butt. But so this, I'm going to say it this way, empathize with people. And I don't really mean like, oh, I'm so sorry you weren't able to book or I'm so sorry you can't afford. What I mean by empathize is put yourself in their shoes. So they're staying at your place. Oh, you know, what are they going to want? What are they going to need? Where are they going to need to? How's it going to all work for them? So that's what I mean. Empathize probably isn't the right thing. But what I mean to say is put yourself in their shoes and try to account for all the kinds of things that are going to come into play when you're in their shoes. And another thing is part of the whole Airbnb experience is that you are staying in someone's home. So for one thing, it's okay. For example, up in the schoolhouse, I have one cabinet that says, owner's stuff, please respect. So I've got like my favorite tea is there and you know, some things I need when I'm there. And there's been no problem. My favorite tea is still there when I go up there. You know, nobody's going in my cabinet because I asked them not to. There's a few clothes there. Um, and the other thing that's there, and that's what you want to make sure is in your house, is some of your personality. So if people want to stay in a generic, soulless place, you know, they'll stay at a hotel. These people want to stay in someone's home. They want to have um, more so than a, a, another type of traveler. The, a, a person who's going with Airbnb, they want to see your personality. They want to feel like they're in a kind of a cool, funky, special place. So don't be afraid to put up things that are unique to you, things that are sort of different and special and fun and quirky and you know don't think oh I have to have all white towels you know just put like my towels are all different colors oh I have to have neutral something you don't need anything neutral okay make it clean make it comfy make it fun and sunny and happy and playful and people will be much happier than if you just give them this overly sterilized place and I think that's enough tips for one day. I'm going to eventually do a transcript for this podcast uh, so you can kind of get bullet points. But at the moment, that's not going to happen tonight because I'm too busy getting my house ready for guests. <laughs> it's the kind of thing where like literally I'm taking pictures of the kitchen and there happens to be a couch standing on end in the kitchen that's eventually going to get moved to a different room so I had to shoot around it <laughs> and it's like I'm moving you know this thing from one side of the room to the other I took pictures of the bedroom same thing there's like a table and chair like a big recliner chair in there that's going to get moved out at some point and I'm just shooting around that so uh, I haven't had time to do print transcripts but next week hopefully we'll get back on track with some fun folks to interview. I hope you've enjoyed my self interview <laughs> and that you find this helpful. In the meantime, as the world starts to open up and get a little bit back to normal from the COVID excitement and tragedy, I hope you are 
able to reconnect with folks. I hope you're having fun. I hope you're happy. I hope you managed to get to the nail salon and get a haircut. Two things that are going to hopefully be able to happen for me in phase two of Massachusetts opening up. But stay happy, stay healthy, and stay connected. Let me know what I can do to serve you better, who you want me to interview, what you want me to talk about. And have a great week.